Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We all have a story to tell. Hey guys, Chris Carden here, and this is Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. This is a podcast where we go beyond the badge to allow the members of the law enforcement, public safety, and first responders a place to tell their stories and talk about the cases that have impacted their lives, made them who we are. And joining me today is uh, one of my uh, heroes and uh, a legend in the in the world of law enforcement. And we're going to get to him just in one second. I want to talk to Brent Henson. Brent, I can't believe this. I need somebody to pinch me. We've got Dave Grossman on the podcast today. This is a big name for us, and this is going to be uh, exciting because this is our uh, inaugural episode, episode number one of the uh, Between the Lines podcast. So this is really kind of a, a special thing for us. Joining us is, of course, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman and a member of his staff. And I'm going to let him kind of tell what he does and what his title is. But Mike Baldwin is here with us. He's retired law enforcement out of Arizona. So going to start with you, Colonel. Good morning. How are you, sir? Hello, Chris. It's always good to be on board with you guys. Not worried that anybody's hero, but uh, we're honored to be a service, my brother. It's, it's really a really lot of fun. And uh, uh, I'm going to uh, kind of let my social media know about this one because you guys are doing something nobody else is doing. You're, you're getting between the lines. You're diving into the aspects of his background interests, and I, I'm pleased to be a part of it. Well, we're glad to have you here, and I know your time is uh, usually scheduled well beyond a year. And I'm also looking forward to seeing you down in Alabama the first week of August for the Alabama Police Chiefs Conference where you're going to be giving the keynote address. And I think we're going to have Mike down there with us. And so tell me about this guy you got with you here, Colonel. I mean, he looks a little shady to me. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, the Lord is, is, is in my life. Uh, I'm a believer. My book on spiritual combat uh, has really had amazing insight. They're bulletproof merit, 90 day devotional. And so uh, my daughter-in-law, just an awesome girl and just doing wonderful work for us year after year. She wanted to move on to other horizons. And so we had a gap in my office, and uh, in, uh, I, I put out an ad. I could have asked her vice president of, uh, you know, of operations, but I wanted somebody with a, with a servant spirit. And so I put out an ad for, uh, you know, through LinkedIn. I got 30,000 good people on LinkedIn, and I, I put out a, a request for, uh, for author's assistant for Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And I had just so many great responses, but I had one from Surprise, Arizona, and uh, and it was clear right up front that he was uh, he was a believer. He had a heart for for, for the mission. He had a heart for for, for service and uh, wanting to make a difference. And we're kind of rebranding our business right now. And we brought him on board. And then we found out he's got a, a MBA in business innovation. How about that? Well, you know, it's one of those one of those few times that can just be no doubt that God is uh, God is at work, giving you the resources you need. It's not always so obvious. And, and like I said, we had literally a, a nationwide talent search, and the guy that floated at the top is Mike Baldwin, a, a major crimes detective out of uh, out of Arizona, just incredible background, but also a, a man with a heart for service, a man with a heart to go out and help our cops in these desperate, tragic times. Things are so bad. And somebody who's got the academic background and the academic skills that all came together and and again, you know, it's all about love. We love our nation. We love our family. We love our community. We love our way of life. We love our God. And we're going to go out there and give it everything we got every day. And then at the end of the day, you know, it'll still be there tomorrow. We turn it off and we, we go have time for family. And uh, there's no KIAs. There's no WIAs in this business. We'll all wait until tomorrow. And we'll get into it the next day and rock on. So if the man that 
was provided is Mike Baldwin. Let him speak for himself a bit. Mike, it's an honor to have you on board. And I know uh, I've known the Colonel for a while and I know his process. And I know that if you're in this arena, you're the right guy. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, again, um, as the Colonel had mentioned, um, I too was praying for the Lord's will and opportunity. I had applied at many other places and things that I wanted to do didn't materialize. And then this opportunity came. And so I do believe that it was uh, providential. I've uh, been a police officer and a detective for 21 years in Arizona. And I started at a a small city that ended up growing to 150, 160,000 people and became a trainer of detectives. And so I have a lot of guys that I've mentored along the way that are still doing good work and I hated to leave them, but they're more than capable. And it was time for me to start a new chapter in my life. Very cool. Mike, we're glad you're on the Colonel's team and again, look forward to working with you in the future and collaborating on projects for not only for the Grossman Academy, but for the provider of this podcast, the Virtual Academy. We have a close long-standing relationship with Colonel Grossman. We love him and care about him. And tell you what, man, uh, you get to work with him every day. I'm just a little bit jealous. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I got I got a hoof from the Colonel real early, too. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, Colonel, I want to ask you about something. Something that stood sure. out to me in your bio. Yep. Of course, I'm a prior service guy myself. Uh, joined the Army in 1989. I did one tour in the regular Army. I was a 95 Bravo military police officer. And I noticed that the best officers that I ever worked under were all prior service NCOs. And I noticed that you were a prior service sergeant and paratrooper before you ever got commissioned. Yeah, you know, I came in in 1974, and we had what was called the Hollow Army. And I mean, it was bad. We just finished volume two of On Spiritual Combat. We talked about the Hollow Army and how it got turned around. But druggies ran the barracks. You couldn't get rid of the bad troops. Uh, the military was a form of social mobility, and it was our job to take care of these people, not to kick them out. Uh, recruiting was down, and I made I made sergeant in eighteen months. Wow, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I made E five in eighteen months. You know, all you had to do was do a halfway decent job, and. Uh, I was really uh, kind of in the door for uh, Staff Sergeant E6, but I, I wanted to go to OCS. I went to night school on my own time. And yeah, I, I really got to agree with you. I, you know, I, I hit the ground and I felt like having been a prior service NCO, having been a private and been around the block, I really had a good good sense for what was going on. I could ease right in. And uh, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. But then I retired in uh, December 97 on terminal leave. So 97, 98, I wrapped it up after 24 years. And it really felt like I just moved from one job to another. My wife right. says I changed from one uniform to another. I just started wearing a, you know, I, I, I got my Grossman Academy black shirt here that I wear. And I, I'm content to go out the door every day and touch lives and still be in the fight. Uh, a lot of other books have rolled down since then. But uh, I, I really got to agree with you that uh, those prior service guys, you know, I taught at West Point. I was the only OCS guy teaching at West Point at the time. And it was a real honor to be part of what was going on there. But at West Point, they've got a bunch of people that are prior service. They go through the preparatory academy. They do a year of prep, and then they get on board. And uh, it, a lot of those people leave in the first year. You know, you got some 19-year-old uh, kid in your face, and you've been around the block, and it's, I don't want to play this game. But the ones who hang in there are almost always the top brass in the graduating class. They, the prior service guys almost always just float to the top at West Point year after year. 
Now, you see that trend everywhere. And of course, in law enforcement, nobody goes straight to lieutenant. You know, everybody comes up through the ranks. And, right. and that's kind of the Israeli model of how their armed forces work. And I think there's something to be said for that. One of the things that I always thought was really cool is, you know, the Marine Corps is one of the branches that you just can't go in there and sign for an MOS. You know, you can't contract it. And at the end of the day, everybody's an infantryman. And we were having a sales meeting one time and I said, listen, guys, Virtual Academy, at the end of the day, we're all salesmen. We've got to put the company first. You know, that's a that's a great analogy. So everybody knows that you're, you know, an internationally recognized scholar, author, soldier. But let's talk about Dave Grossman when you're not in front of the classroom. Let's talk about when you're around the house. I know I'm looking around your, of course, our listeners can't see it, but I'm looking around your office and I see all kinds of weapons of warfare and all that kind of stuff. But tell me what you do first thing in the morning. You roll out of bed, feet hit the floor. What happens to Colonel Grossman? You know what I try to teach myself to do? is when the alarm goes off, and I did it this morning, is it's the first thing I do is pray. Dear Lord, let me do a good job today. Let me be a blessing to all of you. Let me bring honor and glory to your name and all that I do. It's the very first thing I do. You know, and it's funny, I, I put that in my book at one time, and you know, on spiritual combat, and then I was reading the book chapter by chapter for a, a program that's happening. And oh, I've, I've been forgetting to do that for months now. And I, I tried to retrain myself. Just uh, start every morning in prayer to the best of my ability, roll out, take the dogs out for the morning walk. There you and, go. Uh, there you go. And, uh, and then uh, come on down. Wife and I have, uh, have breakfast in, in right next door. It's my office here. We're part of the same house. Uh, Mike and Kathy. Uh, Kathy, a retired police sergeant with an accounting degree. How many of those are there in the world? And the three of us with my wife, we, we try to start the day off in prayer. And, uh, and then we go forth and, uh, you know, open the laptop and see what the email is and what surprises that day's got to give us and catch up on the news and uh, go forth and rock and roll. So that's kind of the average morning there. Tell me what a HUA Airborne Ranger Colonel has for breakfast. <laughs> I know that's kind of crazy, but I'm curious. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I fast once or twice a week, depending on how it goes by. I, I go for a 36-hour fast. It, it's really good for your body, you know. When, when that sugar's not coming in, when protein's not coming in, the body learns to metabolize that energy from different sources. Hmm. And that's a good thing. And uh, so yesterday was a fast. So it was, it was a Monday night. Uh, I went to bed. And then uh, Tuesday morning, ate nothing. Tuesday night, ate nothing. Got up on Wednesday morning. And, oh, I guess it was today's Thursday. And so I got up Thursday morning. And for the first time in 36, I always put something in my stomach. And, and it's, always, uh, it's always a piece of toast. And uh, peanut butter and, and jelly. My wife fixes for me, and a little cup of tea that my wife fixes for me, and uh, and that's my breakfast. You know, I tell you guys, as you get older and older, it gets harder and harder to stay lean and mean. You know, and uh, stay stay lean and mean while you can. It just gets harder as years go by. But my average breakfast is usually a piece of toast. Hey, Brant, I don't know about you, but uh, thirty six hours without food for me, I think I'd be hitting the uh, McDonald's drive. Well, you know, he, he raises a great point because. Food is supposed to fuel your body, and and I think in our society we've taken it on as a pleasure thing, and and we've we've got it all backwards. So fuel, its primary purpose is to fuel us. So I, he's he's right on point with it. Yeah, Mike, do you do you do you fast, Mike? Um, no, I. Uh, I he is fast. There, I'll tell you that. There have been a few times where I've been involved in my work, and I've uh, worked through lunch and missed lunch, but not intentionally. Yeah. Oh, so that's fasting? Not intentionally well, that. did I fast. I know it's good for your body. 
Yeah. I'll tell you this. uh, You know, Mike is still getting moved in. And I started passing missions to him on my first response. Whoa, that was fast. (laughs) He is fast. (laughs) Amen. Fast Mike. You hang around here too long, Mike, and you're going to wind up with a nickname. There you go. So I'm already, I'm already thinking. There you go. Hey, Colonel, tell me about your everyday carry. I know we've uh, we've talked about this yeah. in the past. I know you have a very unique firearm that I would love uh, for our listeners to hear about. Tell me a little bit about the firearm and 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 what what do you carry? What is what is Colonel Grossman when you go into Walmart? What's well, in your pockets? If I'm out, if I got my clothes on, I got a gun on. I step outside the door, but. Uh, I'm a big fan of the open carry movement. You know, across America, the open carry movement. Americans got used to seeing people with guns. But for me, the open carry guy, he's my decoy. That guy's going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot the bad guy. And I appreciate him doing that for me. My advice to everybody is don't be the decoy. You know, untuck that shirt. If you're not currently in a uniform, untuck that shirt. Keep that gun concealed. Never voluntarily give up the incredible advantage of surprise. So for me, it just works out well. It's a, my old fanny pack, my bat utility belt here. Uh, I got one that I like a lot. It's got uh, accessibility to my weapon. I'm a, I'm a 1911 guy. I also carry Glock. I, I shoot it. I shoot it hard. I shoot it a lot. But uh, we've actually got a series of patents. These are the enhanced slide poles. It's pretty in, index point. Uh, this is a 1911. Nice. My, my son's a master gunsmith. It uh, built especially for me. Uh, in the uh, in the pack when it drops down, a badge and uh, and a mag and flashlight. Uh, you know, I've also got uh, pepper spray and a flashlight. My wallet in here. You know, the, another flashlight. One is none, two is one, and uh, my my little first aid pouch back here. It's uh, I've got the quick. I've got the tourniquet. The SWAT key is my personal favorite. I've got the quick lock, and then a critical critical piece of material to have in my back utility belt is a little roll of. Uh, Baggies to pick up the dog's poop when we go out for a walk. You know, there you go. Everybody needs yeah. one of those. You never know when that might come Equally in Equally as important. <laughs> and then, nice. And then I, I, I was really fumbling with how to keep my cell phone pouch. And I found that I just hooked the cell phone pouch to the uh, to the fanny pack and all works out. So, you know. That's some of that Ranger uh, ingenuity. Yeah, right? but it works out for me. And I, I've been pretty happy with it. But I, I truly believe that uh, we get some threats. Uh, I am probably by any definition. America's number one law enforcement training, just because they've done it so long and so much. You know, as such, I'm a number one target for defund the police and Antifa. And we get uh, we get threats by email that will just curl your hair, you know. And, and so there's a legitimate threat out there focused on us. And everybody in our office takes it seriously. We take security seriously. And if they do come here, they they probably got a surprise coming to them because they're not going to do another uh, Little little batch of sheep. They're coming to a bunch of people that are ready to ready to fight back. You know? Very good. What about you, Mike? You're just new to the retired world, so I guess you're having to get used to. Well, I don't know. You probably EDC pretty much when you were. Tell us about that. What what's your everyday carry? So I'm a smaller frame guy. So I traditionally have always carried a Glock, a 26, 27. Um, they have smaller frame guns even a, like a 43 very easy to conceal maybe not as much stopping power but uh, a well-placed shot or uh, creating some distance is uh, is key anyway yeah well you know uh, Mike do you know why they even make the 45 or why people carry the 45 uh, tell me I think I know. because they don't yet make a 46 <laughs> I knew that one was coming yes <laughs> but you know that's a, it's interesting dynamic. All you cops out there, it's all about shot placement. 
You know, I tell the example of Paducah, Kentucky school massacre. The kid fires eight shots from a 22 caliber pistol, puts eight 22 caliber bullets in eight different kids. Three of them are KIA, walking paralyzed for life. It's, it's all about shot placement. And you know, uh, Colonel, that's like an hour away from where I'm sitting right yeah, now. That's right. That, that was at Heath High School up in Paducah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you were an expert witness on that case. or well, uh, Yeah, I, I was in part. Uh, of it, uh, a lot of tragic incidents happening out there. And of course, my book, Assassination Generation, which... We list them all, and we talk about them, and what's going on, and uh, crazy times in front of us, brother. Very, yeah. very crazy times. It's just getting worse every day. In 2020, homicides exploded orders of magnitude worse than any annual increase in homicides we have ever seen. And uh, 20, if 2021 had stayed the same, it'd be bad. We don't have the final data on 2021, but 2021 is worse uh, at compound interest. What we do know about last year, 2021, is the single worst year-over-year year increase in cops murdered in history of our nation. That's right. Uh, as we had more cops murdered as of August last year than all the previous year put together, and that was a bad year. And you would think that our uh, political leaders would be jumping up and down about that, but I don't see that. And we, those of us that kind of lean conservative, we said, well, at least we got Fox News, but... Even Fox is not talking about it much. We did have a, a good article up by the, the director of the FBI on 60 Minutes. He said, we've never seen anything like this. The murder of law enforcement officers is unprecedented. And so they had a little clip and then it went away. They're not, they're not running with it every day. Of course, anybody that's been to my class, read my books, you understand medical technology is holding down the murder rate. It's actually worse than it looks. Uh, yeah. Far worse yeah. than it looks. It's a doctor saving lives every day. Well, you know, uh, I'm sure you know this, Mike and Colonel Grossman, but Police Week, National Police Week, May 15th, National Police Officer Memorial Day, and that tons of law enforcement professionals from around the country will be uh, gathering in Washington, D.C. for a memorial and for a week of fun and just kind of gathering and healing, and it's a good week. So, Colonel, one of the things I know that you do is you serve as an expert witness and a consultant, and I know you were involved in the Oklahoma City bombing incident. A lot of your listeners may not know that, uh, I don't like saying the name of the criminals, that won't give me any fame, any recognition. Sure. This individual had um, had built a, a, a bomb, a, a, a truck loaded full of explosives and blew it off at the Oklahoma City Federal Building. Prior to 9-11, it was the worst terrorist attack in American history. Uh, just absolutely tragic event. And eventually the, the killer was caught. And uh, I wrote the book on killing. I was still in the military. My book on killing was out. And uh, the defense team, trying to just dodge the death penalty for this guy, came to me and said, we have a judge's order paying you like $150 an hour to come and be an expert witness and explain to us how this guy, this guy had been in the military, been in the Gulf War, how the military turned this guy into a killer. I told him it's just the opposite. Uh, they, it, it creates discipline, and, and the probability of a of military law enforcement creating a violent crime is orders of magnitude less than it is for normal citizens. They said, and, and with, with straight faces, they said, well, if you don't help us, this guy might die. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> I said, I'll pull the switch. I mean, this is a bad thing. So what happened was the uh, the prosecution team got word that these guys had come to me. Wow. So they reached out and, to me. And they reached out to me. Yeah. And uh, and and it, it uh, and they put me on temporary duty orders, TDY orders, didn't pay me nothing, brought me down there. I, they, I get uh, orientation on the crime, talk to the head prosecutor, and uh, they never had to use me. 
Because they told so the defense team. You were there on behalf of the Army. You were actually yeah, actively. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and they told the defense team. They said, uh, they said, don't try to go there. And we got Grossman. Yeah. They got you tried to go. If you go there, we got him. And, and basically, they never, I was a card they never had to play. But it was wow. an honor to be part of that process. And it was uh, it was a day to hoist a, a, a libation when, they, when that guy finally uh, went to his judgment. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, at the end of the Oklahoma trial kind of event where you raise a libation to, well, if I'm reading a Colonel Grossman novel by the fireside and I want to have a libation, what would the colonel, what would you pour yourself? Well, you know, uh, I, I like having, uh, I never go beyond one beer. Well, when I've got a steak, I like having one beer just flushes it down and washes it down. And I've got some booze that was given to me. They they, they etched the glass. Nice. It's got my name on it. and. And it's got some great Kentucky whiskey. And when somebody comes to my house, we got some, uh, uh, some, my son is spec ops of nine combat tours. And, uh, he liberated, uh, some of these little, the little cups that they use for their decaf, their coffee, right. you know, the little espresso cups. So, and, uh, these guys don't need them anymore. And, uh, and my son, uh, my son passed it off to me. And so we do, we do a libation and, uh, just, uh, uh, and lift a toast to, to, uh, to those who didn't make it to the boys and girls were not line force every day. Well, and it's a it's a good ride. But really, kind of as far as that stuff goes, yeah. it's what they gave me, and uh, some good Kentucky whiskey, Kentucky bourbon. It's a special stuff, and we just go through it a little bit of time. And and I, I like having a, just a light beer. Well, I know you enjoy a good steak because we've we've enjoyed a good steak together in the past, and uh, in Nashville. Thank you to Virtual Academy for that. Well, Colonel, let me ask you this. We're digging into your, you know, peeling that onion back a little bit. Tell me what you listen to. Now, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I also listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of audio books. What do you listen to, Colonel? Well, you know what? I've got an audio book on right now. Making, doing a lot of traveling, a lot of driving. Used to be we flew everywhere with problems and complications. Now, if I can drive it, I drive it. So I've got long rides and uh We've got uh, Germs, Guns, and Steel is an old uh, book from 20 years ago that I've always meant to get around to. I've got it on my podcast right now. Uh, I, I like um, contemporary Christian music, and I really like Southern gospel music. I, I, XM Radio, uh, I've always got it in the, the Southern gospel cha- channel or the, the Enlightened channel or the uh, the other one that's a contemporary Christian channel, and it bounce back and forth between that and the 60s and the 70s channel. As far as, you know, my theme song, is uh, is the, okay. the Ballad of Paladin. And it's always been my theme the song. The Ballad of Paladin. Have gun, will travel, reach a card of a man, a knight without nice. armor in a savage land. That's <laughs> a, that's a, that's a, uh, I'm an old country western fan. One of the stations I tune to fairly often is Willie Nelson's uh, 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 road show on, on uh, Sirius Radio when we're on the drive and bounce back and forth between the country western and Christian and the, yeah, not that much difference between the two. It might work out. I believe the boys in Stand By Me sang that song, if I'm not mistaken, in that movie from 1986. <laughs> yeah, hurrah. <laughs> it was also uh, the bar in the original Blues Brothers, Brent. They played both kinds of music. Country and Western. Yeah, two kinds yeah. of music, yeah. Colonel, let's say that I'm a fan of your writing and just you and your speeches, and I, I want to have one of those sheepdog pistols. <laughs> I mean, is that something you guys sell? Is that, do you have- well, you know, um, we have a website, sheepdognifeandgun.com. And that's uh, that's actually our, uh, uh, my son's gunsmithing business. It's a hobby business. 
if you order one now, it would probably be available in a very, very long time, and it would be at a very high price because they're all handcrafted. My son is working, uh, you know, a, a, a shift as machinist with overtime, and uh, it would take you quite a while to get one. But uh, they're they're the sweetest little guns you ever handled, and uh, and of course he does anything else. I've had the pleasure of grabbing uh, Doctor Nassar's nineteen eleven Sheepdog nineteen eleven, and I will tell you what, those rear cocking serrations, and that's I mean that's just the best nineteen eleven. What about if I want to buy some of your courses or if I want to learn more about you, what, what do I do? Well, you know, the best place you could go is, uh, it's funny, I'm wearing a shirt right now. It says Grossman Academy. You go to www.grossmanacademy.com. I tell every one of my classes that uh, if one's an on-killing class, we got on-killing as an actual class, get an e-copy of the book, work all the way through the book, pick up some semester credit hours from in-service training. The other is the on-combat class. And I tell all my uh, troops going into combat, uh, everybody, military and law enforcement, is preparing for the fight. That that's the most important one. One I literally wrote for my kid going to his first combat tour. And uh, and then, of course, we've got the uh, uh, the, the, the capstone uh, growthmanacademy.com class. It's all part of the V Academy, uh, which is really one of our nation's finest providers of online training for law enforcement. And uh, I'm really a big fan of what those guys are doing and honored to be a part of their team. At Virtual Academy, we're helping our clients build better prepared public safety professionals by offering high-level training provided by engaging national experts. With hundreds of hours of training available instantly, Virtual Academy offers the functionality your officers need so they can train as their schedules permit. Find out how Virtual Academy can meet the needs of your agency today. Visit virtualacademy.com for a complete list of courses, training resources, and more. Virtual Academy, because you deserve more. What about uh, if I just want to keep up with you and kind of keep up with, uh, you know, do you have a social media presence if I kind of want to stay connected? You know, I, 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 I put a lot of things on LinkedIn on a steady basis. LinkedIn has a cap of 30,000 people and, and I'm capped out. So I got about 300 people that want to be on my LinkedIn page. And I, I got to wait for other people to drop off before I can plug them in. Uh, we also do a little bit on Facebook. Mike uh, Mike Baldwin has kind of taken over the Facebook page and will be posting things there. So Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman on Facebook, and uh, Mike's been running that page for me, along with a thousand other things that he's doing as he hit the ground 100 miles an hour. Uh, and like you said, uh, he, he, he's, uh, he's fast and he's good. And uh, that's uh, uh, right now probably a good place to get tuned into what we're doing is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman page on Facebook and uh or Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, just follow me on LinkedIn and pick up what I post there on a pretty steady basis. Mike, tell me about how has it been, you know, you're you're in this new role and things seem to be going well. I mean, your boss has given you a pretty good uh, review so far. So tell me what it's like working for Colonel Grossman. Yeah, so it's definitely a unique experience. I'm privileged to be here and every day I'm learning something new. So our motto here in the office is that iron sharpens iron. And so if I see something that the colonel can do better, I try to point that out to him. If he sees something that he would like done, he points that out to me. What I'm trying to do is enhance his brand and value. We want to speak truth. And I think if we can get our message out with some rebranding, kind of get away from the, the Killology research group because of the connotation that that has for people that that's scary and then just get him in front of more people. He has a message that people need to hear. Not only police and military, 
but men and women that want to protect their families, that love this country, they need to hear truth. And we're so blindsided right now by misinformation, the media that slants things, that to have a voice out there that's truth is important. So for me, I need to get him out on the road, schedule him for more events and presentations, enhance what we're doing here as a whole. You know something interesting here, Chris, is uh, Mike applied for this job because a friend of his told him about it. Uh, he's never been to one of my classes. You know, about about one, a quarter of all law enforcement officers either been to or seen him. And, and really, was, I think it was God's way of saying, it's not about you, Grossman. It's not about you. It, it, it's about what you got to pass out. Because Mike Baldwin hit the ground. He, he you know, he, he didn't know my classes, but he, but he, he had a mission. He had focused. Uh, it's really kind of perfect in a way when you think about it to keep you grounded and keep you focused. Uh, it's one of the very few times where it's just so incredibly obvious that uh, the big shepherd in the sky has got a hand on you and put you where he wants you to go. Carl, tell me about, you know, when you were a young man, first going in, first digging in, tell me, uh, tell me what it's like to go to ranger school. I know our <laughs> listeners, I mean, I, and I know you went during a time when it was probably a lot different than it is now, but tell me about those first couple days, that hell week, they say. Tell me about Well, you that. know, Ranger School is, uh, uh, there's a book I wrote the forward to recently called Ranger School by a retired Army colonel, and uh, he's written a bunch of other good books about that war in Iraq. The, the thing about it is there's not really a hell week as such. Uh, the Ranger School is towards the middle of it. It gets harder and harder. What you're doing is you're, it's a leadership school, and the forum that they use is combat patrolling. And so uh, you, you're, you're food deprived and you're sleep deprived. I'm a scrawny little guy. And by the time I came out, I'd lost 20 pounds. And, uh, uh, you know, you go days without food and days without sleep. And you got to keep functioning. you got you got to keep moving or, or you fail. And, and it's so easy to quit. So, you know, it's, it's just it's week after week after week of physically grueling, demanding things. And, and you've got to constantly be performing and you're constantly being graded. For the rest of your life, you can say, well, at least we're not still in ranger school. You know, I've got a full stomach. I, I've, got a, I've got a good night's sleep. If I miss a meal, if I miss a night's sleep, I can still drive on. But, but you know, one right. of the things I teach about sleep deprivation and the harm that's being done with prolonged sleep deprivation, but just, you know, it's interesting that it is, it is considered to be the hardest the most premier uh, military school on the planet. You don't just have a hell week. You have months of hell. And it just becomes cumulative as you go longer and longer without food, without sleep. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and you can really understand what's at your heart and, and to be able to keep going. Uh, almost everybody has hallucinations on the third day without sleep, uh, without food. And without fail, almost everybody has hallucinations about food. So, I mean, you got a, a rucksack on your back, you got a rifle, you got the radio, you got equipment, you've got the full load, it's raining on you. Every single thing that you own is double, triple the weight with water. Uh, you put one foot in front of the other, you haven't slept for days, you're slogging through the mud, it's pitch black, uh, and, and, and all you can see are the, the ranger eyes, the little two fluorescent tabs on the back of the, the guy in front of you. Uh, and just put one foot in front of the other. And the thing of it is, you can stop the pain anytime. Just say, I quit. I quit. I'm done. And, and boom, you get food. You get a good night's sleep. Hey, it's all over now. Go on. You know, you, you go on with your life. You be a military officer. When you graduate and you put that ranger tab on, for the rest of your life, you know, there's kind of a, a, a secret society of people. 
when they wear that tab, they've suffered and they've sucked and they've drove on. Nobody gave them a deal. Nobody gave them a bargain. They earned it on their own. And uh, it is it is the defining incident of my life. Uh, I've had some hard times, but never anything remotely that hard again. A lot of people talk about being in combat under fire, look at each other and say, hey, at least we're not still in ranger school. You know, we got a full stomach. We've got a good night's sleep. What do we got to complain about here? Uh, and, uh, and it really forms that frame of reference. A lot of people from other elite units uh, will not go to ranger school. They don't like being without food. They don't like being without sleep. Or they don't. They feel like they've already done their thing. Uh, and yet we've got uh, we've got Marines going constantly. We've got Air Force security forces coming through. It really was a great day when the Air Force security forces could wear the ranger tab on the uniform. They used to they used to put it on the inside. They sort of the inside of the uniform because they weren't allowed to wear it in, in the Air Force. And now they can, and uh, it's, it's really a pretty neat thing, and uh, uh, it's really the defining incident, and, and there's no shame in dropping out of ranger school. Better people than me got hurt and uh, weren't able to sustain. The, the shame is, you know, for an infantry officer, not trying, and given the opportunity, yeah. given the slot, and, and not sure. giving it your best shot. So it's, uh, it, it's really kind of a defining dynamic. Uh, uh, now, the, the ranger regiment... Is, is revolves around people who all rotate through ranger school. So you get this an entire unit full of those people. I'm an Army Ranger. I wear the Ranger tab, Class 8-79. I'm a member of the Army Ranger Association. And the first and foremost way to be a member is to graduate from ranger school. But the second right. way to be a member of the Army Ranger Association is to be in the Ranger Regiment for a set amount of time uh, and uh, or, or to have been in the Ranger Regiment in combat. Like assigned to a Ranger Battalion, you mean? Roger that. And uh, assigned to a Ranger Battalion uh, for a certain length of time. So is that the difference, Colonel, between the scroll and the tab? That's right. That's right. So the tab okay. is the school. Okay. And, you know, there are people where the scroll and not the tab. If they've been there long enough, they're, um, they're authorized to be a member of the Ranger Association. But everybody that wears the tab is authorized. And the, the goal of Ranger School, or the role of the ranger battalion the ranger regiment this role is to try to get everybody through ranger school when your time comes to go through ranger school as a member of the ranger battalion and you don't make it <laughs> there's a lot of other great units that we'd be glad to have you but you're not yeah. going back to the ranger regiment you know you're going to yeah. another unit you know. yeah you're going over to the uh, car washing <laughs> no, no, good, good outfits are yeah. happy to get those guys they're good people <laughs> hey uh one of the podcasts i like to listen to is Sogcast. i don't know if you've ever uh, giving it a listen, but it's it's hosted by uh, John Mayer. He was a SOG guy in Vietnam. And cool. One of the pictures of him, he's Green Beret. He's got hand grenades hanging all over him. He, It's it's a great podcast. One of the stories that I listened to recently was one of the worst days in the history of the Green Beret, and they lost 16 guys over in Vietnam, or maybe it was Cambodia. I can't remember. As I was listening, I was thinking, gosh, man, those special ops guys, they're operating in forward areas, limited to no support, and they're just relying on their their gut instincts. Is that is that a good assessment of what you guys do? You know, it's funny. Uh, on the board of deacons in Carmel, California, and Carmel Baptist Church outside of Fort Orton, California, and on the board of deacons was a guy named Jerry Lajinski who had graduated from, from West Point. And I was reading a book about special forces in Vietnam. And the special forces 18 leader was the most dangerous job in Vietnam. The 18 leader comes in and gets killed. Another one comes in and gets wounded, comes in and gets killed. So of those, those six-month rotations in Cambodia, Laos, and North Vietnam, only one A-team leader survived two tours. And then there was a guy that survived six tours. That was Jerry Lezinski. I said, I said, Jerry, is this you in the book? Is this you? 
that survived six combat tours in Vietnam? He said, yeah, yeah, Dave, that's me. I said, how did you wow. do this? How, how did, nobody survived more than more than two. Only one survived two tours, and you survived six, six-month tours behind in Milan. He said, Dave, it was all ranger school. I lived it, I ate it, I breathed it. It works. Wow. The reverse planning method, the op order. He said, I'm, you know, I, I own a multi-million dollar investment business right now. And I run it with, with basic uh, ranger school processes, the op order, the warning order. Uh, we weave a lot of that in now to our book uh, on combat and volume two of, or on spiritual combat, volume two of on spiritual combat. So a, a couple of years later, I'm teaching at West Point and Jerry's got two kids at West Point and we get a chance to talk and, and uh, Oppenheimer had just opened up a, a major international investment opportunity. And around the world, people submitted their, 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 their proposal to take over this investment thing. And a multi-billion dollar fund, and you get your slice off the management slice off the top. And Jared Lidzinski submitted a five-paragraph military op order and blew Oppenheimer out of the water and got the bid. So I just tell people that, uh, you know, those special forces guys behind lines, that's what they do. But that's the Green Beret. That's a little bit different. Uh, and right. uh, and But the, the skills that we all bring to the table, you know, they're Green Beret, but you know, they wear the special forces tab. Ideally, they all wear that Ranger tab, too, and they have that common source. And it, it just grinds the troop-leading procedures, reverse planning, op order, METI, OCOCA, it just burns into your neurons and it's the finest problem-solving mechanism the world has ever seen. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. It's just the guys that are out there doing their thing every day. Uh, and, and there's people out there right now around the world doing incredible things. We, we for, for, for a decade, we trained the Ukraine. It was our, our military training them. You know, they, they took part of the Ukraine and we thought, you know, they're going to try to take the rest sometime. And so we spent over a decade. That was the most stupid thing the Russians did was give us over a decade to train the Ukrainians before they tried to take the rest of Ukraine. And this is the military, our elite spec ops training them. And now we're seeing how they do against the Russians. That's our system of training, our system of tactics and operations against their system. And, uh, and it's really pretty gratifying to know that the magnificent decade of training our, our elite spec ops are given to these folks uh, has, has kind of come to the fore. But this is what they do. They operate behind the lines. They teach people like that. Uh, and, uh, and they're doing incredible things around the globe. And they make us awful proud. But, but we here at home, we got their six. We got their back. Uh, they're counting on us to keep their families safe and to keep their part of the world safe over here while they're over there. And, uh, and that's the vital mission. Hey, Colonel, let me ask you this. Um, I know there's the military is a, is a very serious job, but there's some funny stuff that happens uh, along those years. And I know you've got a funny story or two, either from jungles or from training or from your time in the classroom. Let me hear something that, that, that made you laugh. Tell me a funny story about your time as a ranger. Let me lay a foundation for you now. Uh, I, I, uh, Sheriff Mike Neal. Is the guy who killed two uh, cop killers in West Memphis, Tennessee. He he slammed into him with his uh, vehicle, and then he killed them both in a blazing gunfight. Uh, Mike Neal it was his fish and game officer at the time. He's now the sheriff. And Mike said, "I'm the kind of cop other cops make fun of." He said, "They don't make fun of me no more." Uh, and, and I tell people, "Be that kind of cop." And I give an example from Ranger School. Now, we're on our first set of patrols uh, in, in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. They didn't have a desert phase then, so we had this extended Fort Benning phase. 
for the first time, we've gone without food, we've gone without sleep, we're completely wiped out. And if you lose your map, you fail ranger school. It's just one of those, you fail, you're done. You lose your weapon, you lose your map, you're done. And, and this big, tall, lanky ranger, the marine lieutenant, is at the outhouse. You're just an old-fashioned outhouse. And he has a map in his cargo pocket, and it fell in the outhouse. And it's in this pile of human waste with oh this map God. sticking out like a little flag. And the guy, he can't reach it. You know, he can't reach it. I don't like where this it. is going. I don't like where <laughs> he, this is going. He said, he comes staggering back. We're all wiped out. We're done. You know, we're going to hand in our map, hand in our equipment. And he says, I, 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 I dropped my map in the outhouse. I need somebody to grab my legs. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh. And, and I said, you're a bunch of dirt bags. He's not asking you to get in the outhouse. just asking you to hold his legs. He said, I'm done with you guys. You're a bunch of the Bravo Foxtrot dirtbags. He said, I, I'm done with you guys. And, uh, and so my big, my buddy, we've been through OCS together. We've come to the 82nd together. And we've been sergeants in the 82nd. Jim Boyle. I said, come on, Jimbo. Let's dip this Marine in the ship. <laughs> we grab this guy's legs. And he's gagging and puking. And, 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 and we dip him. And he reaches down. He gets his map. And we pull him on out. And, uh, and and we all rinse it off with our, our canteens. We slap it against a tree, you know, and, oh. and we all go in. We turn in our stuff and then we go do the peer eval. So everybody evaluates everybody in the platoon from number one to number 20. OK. And I thought, I thought I'm going to get peered out and I don't care. He said, these guys, I just told them what a bunch of dirtbags they were. I told them what the losers they were. And after the peer evals, the, the captain who follows us through the, the tactical officer, the TAC, Calls young Lieutenant Grossman in and said, Grossman, on the next, uh, on this next phase, in the mountain phase, I'm going to break you and, uh, and Ranger Boyle in the different platoons. I said, well, well first I'm glad I'm going to have another phase. You know, I said, but why, sir? Well, because everybody in the platoon rang you and Boyle number one and number two. And, and I can't have two such strong leaders in one platoon. Excuse the date, i got to split you up. And, and it was like one of the greatest lost opportunities in history. If I'd yeah. have just said, if I'd have just said, I said, sir, you don't understand. It, it's not because we were so good. It's just because we did this Marine in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been famous. It would have been legendary. I, I, it was a missed opportunity. But, you know, when things come unglued, you know, I'm talking about Sheriff Mike Neal. I'm the kind of cop the cops make fun of. They don't make fun of me no more. Do what you do with intensity and with that energy. You know, you may not make the rank. You might kick off those above you, but you're doing your job with such intensity. Well, Mike Baldwin's on my team now. And when I knew I wanted him, when I knew I needed him on board, he talked about how he, he ticked off the chain of command because he was so aggressive and vigorous in doing his job. He answers, he's a brother in the Lord. We answer to God's call, not to the world's call. We answer to that higher authority. And I thought, this is the guy I want on board. This is the guy. I, you know, the kind of cop other cops make fun of. Right. You know, you're, just, you're, you're out there with such intensity and such determination. When things come unglued, that's the one they turn to. In, in peacetime, that kind of individual, uh, we, we laugh at him. But when things come unglued, that's the person we want with us. And, and that's really Mike Neal and, and, uh, and Mike Baldwin and uh, those guys out there just doing this job with intensity. When the moment of truth comes, they rise to the top. Like, you know, uh, uh, Sheriff Mike Neal, now the sheriff, got his moment of truth. And not all of us have that opportunity, but be that kind of cop. Push that envelope. Be the one that goes that extra mile. Be the one that has intensity and, 
and, and ultimately be the one that answers God's call and not the world's call. Uh, we try to be good servants. We obey those above us. But first and foremost is, is getting the job done and making the world a better, safer place. You know, it's funny. The Bible says the, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous is bold as a lion. And that line's on the, the National Law Enforcement Memorial. All the names of the fallen uh, officers, the righteous are bold as a lion. And it really personifies that difference between us and them. Uh, they live their life in fear, you know. Uh, they flee when, when no one pursues, but uh, the righteous bold as a lion. And uh, we've got to have that sense of, of we're the ones that are calling the shots and playing the game. And it's so hard for the guys out there right now. The pendulum will swing back the other way. Sure. But oh, it's so hard for the guys now. They've been, they've been, they've been, they've been beat up so bad. You know. Now there's agencies. The vast majority of agencies have good supportive leadership and are out there doing the job. But there's there's those who don't, and they're doing the best they can. And uh, these are hard times. So just believe in who you are. Believe in what you do. Uh, make the bad guys live their lives in fear, uh, and, uh, and 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 hang in there doing that, doing that job, doing the right thing. Uh, and, and and believe in who you are, but believe in what you do in these dark and desperate times. Wow. Well said uh, by the legend himself, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, United States Army Ranger and paratrooper. We got Mike Baldwin also with us today. And I'll tell you what, this has been a lot of fun. Brent, what do you think? Colonel Grossman, he's pretty impressive. But this Baldwin guy, I tell you what, he's pretty sharp. You know what? I, I have a kinship with, with Mike because he's kind of like the counterpoint or the, the person behind the person because I'm there serving Chris and you're there helping uh, Lieutenant Colonel. So I understand, you know, you're behind the scenes. So we're kind of like uh, compadres here in this whole thing. Well, that's quite the analogy. Uh, will you start calling me Colonel? <laughs> I will if you want me to. <laughs> well, guys, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. And I, I know that you have busy schedules and you are got a lot going on. But we appreciate you taking the time and we appreciate your support of Virtual Academy and all that we have going on. And we want to thank Virtual Academy for sponsoring our podcast and for giving us the opportunity to talk with you guys. And we really appreciate you. And before we say our goodbyes, I'm going to turn it over to Brent and let him close us out. Yeah. So we want to thank you both for being on our inaugural episode of the Between the Lines podcast. And hey, if you're listening today and you want to be a guest on a future episode of the Between the Lines with Virtual Academy podcast. We really do want to hear from all of you out there because we know everyone listening has a story to tell. So you can send us an email with all the information about yourself and a brief summary of the story or the case that you'd like to share. Our email address is betweenthelines at virtualacademy.com. Again, betweenthelines at virtualacademy.com. And be sure that you subscribe to Between the Lines with Virtual Academy so that you can get those new episodes each and every Tuesday morning automatically delivered to your phones or your iPads, your computers, however you listen to podcasts. And make sure you check out our website because we have links to not only those popular podcast providers like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, but we also have links to all of our social media accounts so you guys can stay connected to us throughout the week and get all that information and more at our website. That's at www.betweenthelineswithvirtualacademy.com. All right, guys, Colonel, thank you so much, sir. We appreciate you, Mike. Keep hanging in there, man. And I'll see you guys at the beach this summer for the Alabama Association of Chiefs of Police Conference. Have a good day. Hooah. <laughs>